Let's uh, turn in our Bible to Revelation chapter 22. We've just had an amazing week, uh, seven to ten days, um, going back to uh, a conference we had last weekend. Um, and so I just want to kind of give the, the storyline because not everybody's aware of everything that's been happening here. And it's an interesting time for us. And uh, I think it's good we all get on the same page. I feel the Lord this morning. I, I feel the Lord resting on me this morning. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to share just a little bit about what's happening to me personally. But uh, it's good. I feel really good. And uh, so let me, just, let me just try to work my way through this and explain a little bit about what's happening, what's been happening here at IHOP in the last seven to ten days. Um, of course, we had a conference last weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. And uh, at the conference, um, nothing went anywhere near what I dreamt, thought it might go. I thought, you know, we're going to have Alan Hood, who, Alan Hood's the president of uh, the uh, Forerunner School of Ministry in Kansas City. We're going to have him in and, uh, and Corey Russell and they're going to preach the word real hard, and we're going to have real intense times of worship and real hard preaching, and then we're going to have lots of altar calls, and people are going to be, you know, pressing in and crying out to God, and, and maybe, you know, some people will get touched, and people's hearts will get gripped, and they'll, they'll want to do a lot of prayer, you know, because they'll be gripped real hard. And uh, what ends up happening is Friday night, Alan goes into a visitation with the Lord and doesn't come out of it for really the entire weekend. He, he, in the middle of the weekend, he had to fly to St. Simon's <clears throat> to do a wedding and then to come back. And even in St. Simon's, he said, while on the plane, the Lord was coming on him. And Alan ends up um, just really under the presence of the Lord in a way I've never seen him before. In fact, it was freaking me out because he, uh, I would try to have a conversation with him and he wasn't answering me. So he's with the Lord, I'm saying, hey, Alan, da-da-da-da-da, and he's coming back with, like, quoting verses at me while I'm trying to have a conversation. I'm like, no, no really. Uh, we need to know about this. And he's like, I found the verse. <laughs> this is prophesying to me and stuff. And I'm just looking at him like, okay, man, like, for real, we have a conference we have to do now. And, uh, that first night, he actually spoke, and he pre- some, how many were here that first night? And we end up preaching, you know, way, way less, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to move, and people begin to get healed, and, and physical healings, and delivered, and supernatural things take place, and uh, people uh, get filled with the Spirit, and, and holy laughter breaks out, and, and people are, are laughing over here, and crying over there, and dancing over here, and falling, and, and standing, and, and just everything is happening throughout the whole weekend. Well, Sunday night comes, and uh, I had a word from the Lord. I had, had a dream, and I felt like I had this word from the Lord about the Lord changing our structures, shifting our structures around. So I preached this message, and it totally wasn't the same flow as the, the weekend, though that night when I stood to, to give the announcements and everything, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't function very well. I was laughing and, and just, I, I'm not really like that. I'm not a big drunk in the spirit guy. I am now. I quite like it, actually. It feels really, really good. Um, but never have, I've always been like fire, you know, and, and blowing people up with that and never was really heavily at this kind of, they're laughing a lot. I didn't quite get that so much. 
But um, anyway, so that night I preached this message, and, uh, and the altar is very sober, very sober. And probably until about 9.45 or 10 o'clock, it was very sober. People were weeping, 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 and uh, just repenting before the Lord. And, and I don't know exactly what happened. I just remember a few people saying, hey, can you pray for me? And praying for a few people, and, and I don't really know what happened. I'm not sure when it shifted, shifted gears. But the next thing I remember... There was maybe 75 or 100 people around, and everybody was dancing. It looked like an aerobics class. And, and then all of a sudden, the, I mean, the power of God was hitting people, and people are getting drunk, really drunk in the spirit. You know, like, I can understand why in Acts 2 now, that the, the, the guys had the power of God on them, but the, the unsaved people showed up and mocked them. So they mocked them. They made fun of them. They said, these guys are drunk with with wine, and it's early in the morning, and what's wrong with them? And, uh, and I just watched the Lord mess us up. And that thing went, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing 9.45, I, don't, I wasn't really looking at my watch, but it went, I know I left at 11.30, and, and I counted, I did a spot check, and there's about 50 to 60 people still here uh, at 11.30, and now we, that's not all our night watch. Our night watch is just, you know, 15 or 20 people. And, and people were laid out, in the spirit, laughing, crying, worshiping, praising the Lord. It was so unusual. And, that, and my understanding was there was many people here till like 2 a.m. in the morning. It just kept going uh, late into the night. And uh, <clears throat> the next day I woke up and I had a weighty sense of the presence of the Lord on me. And I've, I'm going to explain to you something. Every day, and I feel it even now, but every day since Friday... I feel like I'm wearing a lead uh, hoodie because it's over my head and it's on my shoulders. And I feel like I'm un- I have a weighty sense of God's presence on me. It feels really good. I like it a lot. And uh, it's, it's sweet. And, uh, and even today, just in my office, I was just like, oh, I love you, Jesus. And I'm, it's teaching me about what he's, what he's like because if he's making me feel so good like this, this is a good thing. And he is a good God, like better than I thought. Like, you know, I don't know what I thought, you know, at your right hand is fullness of joy. And, you know, presence of pleasures evermore. I, you know, I don't know what I thought Psalm 1611 meant. But I know it's way better than what I thought it meant, you know. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures evermore. I mean, that's far better than what we've ever considered. And I know I'm getting a thimbleful right now, but I feel excellent. And uh, I pray you'd feel excellent too. So the next day, Monday, we on our Mondays here, we have um, all sorts of meetings, one meeting after another. We have management and, and operations and section leaders and just one after another. I literally stay in meetings from uh, 10.30 in the morning till 6 o'clock in the afternoon on Mondays. Well, every single one of our meetings was completely interrupted. The Lord interrupted our meetings with power. I literally watched people who are normal, sober, normal people slide out of their chair and fall on the floor and laugh uncontrollably in our meetings. Nobody's trying. We're not trying to be funny. Not, you know, not putting it, you know, take that, you know. I mean, we're sitting there trying to have a meeting. And I watched the Lord completely blow all of our meetings up that day. I mean, one after another after another. We got, we got to get a few points across, but... Uh, 
it just, it was a mess. Well, in between our meetings, I walk over here because we got out of one of the meetings early and I just couldn't wait to go sit in my office. This is where the Lord has been really resting on me. And I walk over here and there's probably 10 to 15 people laid out in our foyer. Like laid out on the ground in the foyer. The spirit of the Lord has come. They're falling and laughing and messed up in the lobby. You know, that's... That's not like the, the greeter thing, you know, like the, guy, the new guy walks in, hey, cool, look at this. I'm, I, I was standing there, and uh, one of our guys, Jonathan Hansen, who's, who's over our evangelism, he had to be out of town for four days. And uh, he walks in the lobby, and he goes, man, I leave for four days, and what's happened here, you know? Because it's literally strewn with people all over the floor. And people are praying over each other and prophesying. and it's kind of, It was kind of like a... Bermuda Triangle. If you walked through there, it's like you were going to get lost in it, you know. And it was powerful. And uh, it just stayed like that Monday. Tuesday, we had those tornado warnings. Do y'all remember that? Uh, Tuesday, had that real intense storm stuff. Well, Tuesday was more the same for me. In fact, for me, I've been in this, this weighty sense of the presence of the Lord since Friday. But our, our worship teams, because of the tornado warnings, they took the worship meeting into the bathroom. So... <laughs> How many were here for Tuesday night? Yeah, so they actually were doing, they took the acoustic guitar, went into the bathroom with it, because, you know, we're going to keep the fire burning. And they're crammed in there. So the girls' bathroom, people are getting drunk in the spirit, and the guys' bathroom, they're praising and worshiping the Lord. So after a while, somebody says, hey, let's go outside and let's rebuke this tornado. So they come out into the lobby. They didn't go outside, but they come out into the lobby, and there's, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people here. And they begin to, you know, rebuke the tornado, whatever. And they're having like a praise and worship service in the lobby. And so somebody, it just dawns on somebody, hey, if we're doing it in the lobby, why don't we go back in the prayer room? <laughs> Same difference. And they end up with this, I mean, I'm getting phone calls during it, but they're having this explosion of praise. The power of God hits. People are falling, laughing. I mean, it's just an interesting, interesting time. So... Um, in the midst of all that, we had several, several dramatic healings take place. Um, some of you who were here Sunday night will remember that I called out a woman, Sherry Hamilton, by name. Um, the Lord spoke to me about her and said fibromyalgia. Well, she testified on Tuesday, and she said, I've been um, in bed for four days, sick, with pains all over my body, completely incapacitated with sickness. And uh, I got healed, instantly healed, and I've been totally healed ever since Sunday night. She testified on Tuesday. And she didn't know that she'd had fibromyalgia. In fact, it wasn't diagnosed. But when she went and looked at her symptoms on, like, one of the websites, like, whatever it is, WebMD or whatever, she found that all of her symptoms were exactly uh, the symptoms for fibromyalgia. She's completely healed. And then another one of our, uh, uh, our staff, Matt Leatherwood, who has been completely out of commission, undiagnosed, uh, but so sick, couldn't, uh, I mean, sleeping 12 and 14 hours a day, just so sick and incapacitated. He gets healed at the conference. He testified on, on Tuesday. He said, I haven't even been able to sleep. He goes, I've been so wired up with the presence of the Lord. The Lord has completely uh, touched me and healed me. And so we have this interesting thing happening right now. And I, I just wanted to bring everybody up to speed because for if you, if you missed Monday, Monday was cool. 
Monday was a cool day. I mean, watching it blow up every one of our meetings and watching it blow up in our lobby, it just was really interesting. And it, it, not that anybody would have been here on Monday, except for the staff mostly, but uh, it was just really, really cool. So I took it, you know, and I, I'm a little, I've got that little skeptical thing in me because I took a little poll. I just figured, you know, all of our leaders in our leadership meetings, you know, these guys were like revival professionals, you know, they, they know that when the presence of the Lord comes, you're supposed to act a certain way and fall and shake and laugh. And I figured, oh, they, they've been to all the meetings, so they know what this is about. And, and I took a little poll in our, in our section leaders meeting, which was the one that was the most disrupted by the Lord. And I said, so tell me about your experience in being in places where, you know, the Spirit of the Lord has come and revival's broken out. And I think there's 12 people in the meeting. Well, out of the 12, three of them had, had been in... Uh, meetings like that before, nine of them had never been in anything like that before. And that's always a, a, a sign to me when the person that's never been around it before is totally hammered by the Lord. Hammered is a good thing. Totally under the influence of the presence of the Lord. That's uh, always a sign to my heart that God's doing something authentic. And so uh, now at the same time all that's going on, I mean, I get probably no less than uh, six or eight different uh, dreams and prophetic words from people. They all happen almost simultaneously. Stuff about an open heaven over IHOP. Stuff about us being able to swim underwater and breathe. And stuff about revival and cars lining up all the way to, the, to 316. And all these different things. And, uh, and then Savannah Yugen, who's um, 12 years old. She's 12. Uh, one of our, our uh, young people, she's 12 years old. She has a vision during the conference. And in the vision, um, she um, sees water coming over our platform and filling up in our sanctuary. And the water is ankle deep. And um, she hears the voice. And the voice says, uh, if you want more water, all you have to do is ask for it. If you want more water, all you have to do is ask for it. And so her dad, Stephen Eugen, he says, hey, uh, so are you familiar with this, this Bible passage in Ezekiel 47 and it, where it talks about the water being ankle deep? And I'll read it in a minute. And, and it goes up to the knee and it goes up to the waist and then you have to swim in it. And uh, she said, well, well no, I, I didn't know anything about that Bible passage. She never knew the Bible passage and she gets it from the Spirit of the Lord and he's actually saying that we're in ankle deep water here in the house of prayer. I thought that was powerful. And so then there's this other prophetic word that I want to read to you this morning. I just want to release it. We've shared it at, the, uh, at our all-staff meeting um, in February. But I want to um, share it this morning. And then I want to look at a few scriptures. And uh, Jamie Burns, who's one of our um, real accurate prophetic voices in the house. I mean, she, Jamie just gets, I mean... Dream after dream, and the Lord has encountered her powerfully. Um, had an encounter with the Lord in February. Uh, for about three hours, the Lord was just speaking to her, uh, word after word after word, prophetic word. There was actually 40 individual prophetic words, and then multiple ones um, uh, for, uh, regarding government in our house of prayer. And, um, and this word was given February 8th. This was part of that encounter. And here's what it said. Now, I, this is holy to me. This is, and I'm asking you to receive it as holy. I believe the Lord spoke to her, and I believe this is a season that we are in the beginning, in the be, in the beginning of the beginning of. 
And uh, I want to ask you to receive it as holy and, uh, and to, to, to hear, the, hear the voice of the Lord. And I think he's speaking to us. And here's what the word said. And I've, I've paraphrased it a little bit. Actually, not paraphrased it. I edited it. took a few, few lines out. That's how I edited it. I didn't paraphrase anything. I took a few lines out uh, just, just so it reads a little bit more uh, specifically. So far, the, the, words, the word that she got uh, was 12 pages of prophecies. And so I'm reading you a few paragraphs of that. But it says this. It says, a whirlwind is coming. A whirlwind is coming. You'll dance through it. It will be a whirlwind romance. It will be a picture of what I will do with the church. It's a picture of what I will do at IHOP. When the whirlwind hits your heart, it will be a sign that a season of romance and intimacy will hit IHOP Atlanta that is yet to be experienced. Now, the your heart, that's talking. That was the Lord speaking to her specifically. And on that Friday night meeting at the conference, the power of God came on Jamie, and she probably laughed in the spirit for an hour and 15 minutes. Just the Lord, came, nobody prayed for her. She just, the Lord came on her, and uh, the presence of the Lord just began to rest on her, and she was laughing uncontrollably for quite some time. It says, when the whirlwind hits your heart, it will be a sign that a season of romance and intimacy will hit IHOP Atlanta that is yet to be experienced. It says, I will open up a door of revelation. I will release kisses to my bride. You will know me in a whole new dimension. The bridal paradigm and bridal language won't be something uh, you merely speak or ascribe to mentally. It will be the song of your heart. Let it be assigned to you. And then the word continued, and it said this, and it was specific to me. It said, Billy will enter a season of romance, much like at the beginning. His morning will end for a season, and he will once again smile. When I first heard the message of intimacy in the bridal paradigm, I literally walked around for three months with a smile uh, glued to my face. I was so alive in the love of God. And I have uh, been in a long season. Uh, I'm a pretty jovial, smiley guy, but I've been in a long season of mourning where the main way that I um, sense the Lord is in tears and in pain and in intercession. And... Uh, and so it's, this thing says, uh, your morning, his morning will end for a season. He will once again smile. He'll smile. And I tell you, he won't be able to stop smiling. And I'm beginning to feel like that. I feel like everybody else isn't smiling very much. But I feel pretty happy. It says, I will romance him in ways he never thought possible. Oh, it's just getting started. It's going to get really good. You'll drink deeply of the new wine, the wine of my love. And you'll be intoxicated. Those days of plowing and laboring will be a faint memory for the joy that is set before you. You'll be inebriated on romance. A whirlwind is coming. I tell you, get ready. The song will open. That's the song of songs the Lord's speaking about there. And your heart will be undone. I will unlock it for you and for the house. You haven't even scratched the surface. Who understands that I'm a bridegroom? And then it goes on and it says, A whirlwind is coming. I told the leadership team, I said, if I'm up there and all of a sudden I can't function, we need a backup plan. <clears throat> Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. A whirlwind is coming. It's a whirlwind romance. Revelation is coming in this whirlwind. Kisses are being released from heaven. Creativity is coming with this whirlwind. An invitation to intimacy, to know my heart. I'll have my way in this whirlwind, and you'll know my heart. 
from the greatest to the least, from the oldest to the least, you'll know my heart. And the other night, somebody just spontaneous, uh, Frida, who's uh, in, in charge of our children's ministry, she just, um, she just brought all the children up to me. All the, she goes, it's baby night, and brings them all up to me and says, I want you to pray for all of them. And I begin to lay my hands on the babies, and their parents will testify to you. I, I, I thought, babies, never seen that. You know, I just bless, you know, bless them, praise the Lord. But never seen babies under the presence of the Holy Spirit. But their parents will testify to you. Christian and Ashley, and there's several of them. Who was it? Chad Swift. Their children were drunk in the Spirit. They were dancing and laughing and playing and just acting straight up bizarre. And they'll testify to you that their children, and I, I don't care if they were drunk or not, I just think it was very interesting. And it says, from the least, from the oldest to the least, you'll know my heart. I thought that was interesting. A whirlwind is coming and I'll have my way. My prayer will be answered and you'll know my heart. You'll behold my glory and you'll be with me. It's going to knock you off your feet. It's vehement love, jealousy demanding is the grave. It's a whirlwind romance. You'll sing and you'll dance and you'll know my love from the greatest to the least. And it says this, Billy, you are the target. You're headed for the eye of the storm. This storm will wreck this house. It will wreak havoc. I will turn your old paradigms upside down. You don't know anything. You haven't seen anything yet. And it goes on. Have you ever seen a bridegroom whose name is Jealous? Oh, I'll have all of you. There's no lover quite like me. I am the chief among 10,000. I'll have your heart. I'll conquer you. This storm will wreck this house. But Billy, you're going to the center of the storm. I'm drawing you away. You'll come to the eye of the storm. I'll bring you to the eye because you're the apple of my eye. You'll learn of me. You'll know my heart. I'm romancing you in the quiet place. My love is a violent love. And Billy, I'm taking you to the depths. You know, when... when uh, When um, Jamie first shared that word, I thought, well, that, that's great. I, that sounds good. I want God to do something. But my first inclination wasn't like, it wasn't like, um, <laughs> it wasn't that I was excited about a whirlwind or getting drunk. My first inclination was, we need intercession. We don't. We don't need a bunch of intoxicated, inebriated, whatever, whatever. We need some focus, you know. We need some people to lean in and study the word. And, uh, and I still feel like that. But I, my point to you is I couldn't quite picture it. I couldn't quite picture what the Lord was wanting to do or trying to do. And I, but I just said, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do, we say yes, we want the whirlwind. And we've been praying, Lord, release the whirlwind romance. Not really having a picture. I thought, you know, here's what I thought. I thought maybe a few of us will get in the Song of Solomon and it'll, it'll be like really open for a season. And, you know, we'll get a few more good verses and a few more good teachings out of it and it'll make our hearts feel just good. And I just didn't picture it hitting all of our management meetings and, you know, just stuff blowing up. Well, here's what I feel like. I feel like we're on the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> I think the Lord is wanting to release something in a much greater depth 
than we've touched. And I know this offends religious people. I know it does. If you're offended with me, I am so sorry that you're upset. Uh, but I'm not going to allow, you know, s- some personal opinion or something like that to uh, dissuade me or us from going with the move of the Spirit of God. We are going to flow with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, it's going to be biblical and God-honoring. It's going to be uh, scriptural to the, uh, at the highest level. But what I think is this, that we don't really understand the Lord, and we don't know how He does. And so sometimes we see a little uh, manifestation of this or that, and then the next thing you know, people are upset. Hey, you know what I would encourage you to do? Just check your heart before the Lord. If you're getting mad, just check your heart. Go, Jesus, for real, I'm a little upset. Why am I upset about this? These guys are a little happy up there. Why am I upset about that? Just ask the Lord to, to you know, deal with your heart. Now, I want to share a little bit from Revelation 22. And uh, I want to share about the river. Because when Alan was having his encounter, he was having a throne room encounter. But I was having an encounter with the river of God. The Lord was speaking to me, and he said this to me. He said, if you knew the gift of God, and you knew who it is that you're asking, uh, uh, that's asking you for a drink, he would have given you living water. You'd never thirst again. And I want to say this, that I've lived in little seasons of revival and refreshing. And when you touch that stuff, (laughs) when you touch the presence of the Lord, every other thing that you have desire for, it just goes away. I can tell in my own heart how how close I am to the Lord by how much I'm interested in sports and how much food I'm eating. Honestly, I got like sports. I'm a guy <laughs> that likes sports. But when, I, when I'm touched with the manifest presence of the Lord, those things lose their value so incredibly before me. And I was just telling my wife yesterday, I said, all I really want to do right now is just go to the prayer room. I just want to go sit before Jesus and meditate on the word. I just want to fall in love over and over and over again. Oh, I want to be with him. Let's uh, turn in our Bible to Revelation, chapter 22. Revelation 22. It says in verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, that's the street of the eternal city, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I want you to imagine John, and he's, he's, he's already had his heavenly encounter, and he, you and him are having a conversation. And he goes, listen, this is what he showed me. The angel was showing me around the eternal city. He took me up there. I went up there. And I saw it. He showed me a river. He goes, it's real. 
There's really a river that flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And he says, and this river is pure. It's pure. And it's full of water that's alive. It's full of living water. He goes, and it's pure and it's clear as crystal. And it's flowing down the middle of the city. And on each side of the river, there's the tree of life. And that tr- those trees, they bear 12 different kinds of fruit. And each fruit, it yields, it, it bears forth every single month. It, it bears forth that fruit, a new kind every month. He goes, I saw it. I was there. And there's leaves that come off of the trees. And those leaves are for healing. They'll heal nations. Just the leaves. Now think about that. The leaves on the tree, the leaves are so invigorated with the life of God that you can take the leaf and the leaf actually heals nations. Now let me tell you something. This isn't a nice little picture talking about, you know, the sweet by and by or when we, you know, go and turn into fat babies floating on clouds wearing togas. This is the eternal city that will have a dramatic connection to the earth in the next age. Revelation 12 tells us that the eternal city, the heavenly Jerusalem, is going to come down out of heaven and it's going to rest over Jerusalem. It's actually going to be visible from the natural realm. And that thing's going to be connected to the earth and, and, and Isaiah 2, Isaiah 4, and many, many chapters, and I've done sessions on this, so if, you, if you're wondering where I get all the verses, it's all in there. But it's going to be connected to the earth with a whirlwind. A corridor of glory power will connect the eternal city to the natural Jerusalem. And what ends up happening is there's mirror realities going on. Certain things are happening in the eternal city, and there are mirror realities happening in the earthly city. Most of us think, man, we die, we turn into fat babies floating on clouds somewhere, wearing togas and playing harps. This thing is so much cooler than that, where this thing is going. And the Bible is so much more of a cooler book. The problem is we've gotten our theology from, like, cartoons. You know, like the cartoon where the dude dies and now he's, he's got angel wings and he floats up? That's where, we get, that's where we think this thing is going. It's not like that at all. The Bible is very, very clear that it's way different. Now, turn over to Ezekiel, chapter 47. So John, he gets a ride into heaven. And he gets to see the eternal city. That's what John did. The angel takes him up there, and he comes back, and he testifies to us what he saw. And he saw this river, this pure river of life, flowing out of the throne of God. And that river was carrying the very essence of God. It's carrying the very nature of God. God's throne is the origin of the river. So the river is flowing with the very essence of who God is, the very nature of who God is. All that God is is in that river. That's why it's pure. That's why it's alive. What's in the river? Life, power, healing, pleasure, beauty, I mean, invigoration, the glory of the Lord, the very nature of God is being carried in the river. 
The emotions of the heart of God are being carried in the river. This river is powerful. It's so powerful that the trees that are nursing off the river, that if one leaf is taken, it is for healing. The leaf that's drinking that river's water will heal. Now, Ezekiel 47. Whereas John was taken into the heavens to see the heavenly Jerusalem, Ezekiel is taken into the future to see the earthly Jerusalem. In Ezekiel 40 through 48, that's what we have a picture of. Ezekiel's on the earth, and he's experiencing, he's taking a guided tour from an angel, and he's showing him the future earthly Jerusalem. That's what's going on, Ezekiel 40 through 48. If you didn't know what Ezekiel 40 through 48 was about, that's what it's about. And in verse 47, the angel begins to show him the outside of the temple complex. And here's what happens. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. So the water's flowing east. The face of the temple's facing east, and the water's flowing east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate. So he's on the outside. He comes from the north side. He's coming around. And he led me around on the side to the outer gateway that faces east. So Ezekiel actually comes this direction. He's looking at it from this way. The water's flowing this way. It's coming out the the south and the east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the men... When the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. 1,000 cubits is roughly 575 yards, roughly. And so you got about 500 football fields, and there's ankle-deep water. And then he measured... 1,000 cubits more and brought me through the waters and the water came up to my knees. So if you can picture it, the temple's facing this way, the water is flowing, you go out uh, 1,000 cubits and it's ankle deep, you go 1,000 more cubits and it's uh, knee deep and then he's going to say, and then we went 1,000 more cubits and it was waist deep. So it's getting deeper and deeper the further it goes. There's water continuing to flow. And then... In verse 5, he measured again a thousand cubits, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep, water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Now here's what's going on. I already mentioned the heavenly Jerusalem has come, because he's seeing the future, he's seeing the next age. Heavenly Jerusalem has come down. The river has flowing in the throne in the heavenly Jerusalem. It's flowing from the throne. There's a corridor of glory that connects the heavenly and the earthly. And the way it works is this. You can go into that corridor in Jerusalem on the earth and it will take things up. Or there's these things that are up and they'll come down. Well, how do we know that? Because we get the river that's on the throne up in the heavenly, but it's flowing out of the earthly. That's what's going on here. So that river has gone down the corridor. It's flown out of the throne. 
It's gone down the corridor, and now it's flowing out of the temple on the earth. I can't wait to get to the next age. It's going to be so cool. And so here's what happens. He says, have you seen this? And he talk, he, then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. Well, that sounds just like the heavenly Jerusalem, doesn't it? And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. You know how I know this is on the earth? Because the water is flowing into the Dead Sea. Now, Joel chapter 3 will tell you, and Zechariah 14 will both tell you, that there's going to be water that flows out of the temple on the earth into the Dead Sea, and it's going to make the Dead Sea come alive. And that's what this is talking about. And that water that's going to flow out of the temple is living water. It's coming from the very throne. It's going to flow down the corridor into the temple and then out of the temple, and it's going to go from the temple over to the Dead Sea, where the Dead Sea is due east of Jerusalem. Due east, it's, you know, you go southeast and the whole body's down here. Jerusalem's here, Dead Sea's over here. I guess it's backwards for you, so if we were looking at it, it'd be like this. Yeah. So, it's going to flow into the sea, and when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river, rivers go, it will live. It won't die. Think about that for a minute. The fish that are swimming in that water don't die. They live. Now, I shared this with my little boys the other day, and they thought it was the coolest thing ever. We need to, we need to be, be like a child for a minute. There's real water that's going to really flow from the throne of God. It's really going to flow out of the temple on the earth. That water is going to flow into the Dead Sea. It's going to cause that sea to be alive. And every fish that swims in that water isn't going to die. It's going to live. Well, that only makes sense if they're drinking water that comes from the throne of God. What kind of fish do you think those are? They're pretty intense fish, I'll tell you that. I want to, you know, I'm going to eat some of that. And the next age, I'm going to be like, is this from the, uh, you know, living water fish? I want some. Now watch. Every living thing, they will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because the waters go there. Well, I guess so. Because none of the fish are dying. You could catch them and probably cut their head off, but they're not dying of any kind of natural causes. For they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. Wherever the river goes, life is imparted. Wherever the river touches, it causes whatever it touches to live. This is powerful. There will be a very great multitude of fish. Okay, I already read that. Verse 10. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Eglaim. Now, Engedi is, is about halfway down in the Dead Sea, and, and Engleum is at the very top. So there's this whole area where the water is going to be coming in, where fishermen are going to crowd around. I asked my children, I said, in the next age, if you were a fisherman, what would you do? You know all those fish are over there. What would you do if you were a, a, a fisherman the next age? They said, I'd go over there and catch fish all day. I said, that's exactly what the Bible says. 
He said, it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to Enegliam. And Engedi is halfway down, and Enegliam is at the very top. And they will be places, there will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be the same kind as the fish of the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean. Exceedingly many. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. The leaves don't fall off the trees. They never fall off. Why? Because they're being nourished on the river of life. This is powerful. And their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month. Now think about that. We work all year long to get orange trees or peach trees or whatever to produce one harvest a year. Isn't that right? These trees are going to produce fruit every single month. Next month? Next month? I mean, fruit. Now, let me ask you something. If the trees are drinking off living water that causes fish to never die, what kind of fruit do you think is going to be coming off of those trees? A little bitty, you know, kind of like just a little apple. I mean, you're going to be holding it two-hand, double-fisted. I mean, eating, and it'll explode all over your face. Juicy, unbelievable. I mean, if it's full of the water of life, you're going to be like, hallelujah. I mean, you're going to just go off. You take a bite of that stuff, it is going to be the most invigorating, exciting, glorious experience ever. This is the next age. My, my children are like, that's so cool, I can't wait to go eat some of that. I go, me neither. And, I, and I, so I, you know, I, do, I go the whole rundown. I go, not only did you get to move at the speed of thought, not only do you get to travel to the New Jerusalem in the back, you actually get to eat some of this fish and some of this fruit. And it, it, the, the fruit goes every month. Mm. The leaves will not wither. The fruit will not fail, fail. They will bear fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. And look, their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Now Jesus said this. John 7, he said, anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. And he's talking about the living water. See, we have this disconnect. We hear me talking about this, and we hear the song, and we sing, I got a river of life flowing out of me. But we think it's imaginary. We think the river is imaginary. What we don't realize is that it's real. John said, I saw it. I was there. It's full of life. It's clear as crystal. Jesus stands up and says, at the great day of the feast, he says, hey, everyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And that drink will become a fountain within him. And the Bible says that it was the Holy Spirit that he spoke of. You know what we don't comprehend? We have access to this river that's going to cause the fish to never die. It's going to cause the leaves to become medicine. 
We have access to this river every single day, all day, and all night. That river is the Holy Spirit. It's the flow of God. It's the, it's the emotions and the, the internal workings of God flowing from the throne. That river is part of our portion in this life, to drink from the river. You know what I'm convinced of? If we were drinking from the river, really always just continually drinking from the river, we would be a pretty happy little bunch. We would be fairly happy. Way happier than we are. We would be alive. We would be healed. We would be inebriated. I'm telling you, if you're drinking in his presence is fullness of joy and his right hand pleasures evermore, if you're drinking the, the water that flows from that place, I guarantee you, you won't be, you know, like, whatever. You'll be jacked up in a good way. Messed up with the glory of the Lord. Drinking from the river of pleasures. I want to, you know what, something's happening to me. And I'm praying, God, please don't let it go away. Because this is good. I realize, I mean, I did drugs when I was, you know, unsaved. And I really realized, you know, when we say, well, drugs are a counterfeit. I feel the clarity on that, on that idea right now. That those are a counterfeit to the truth of the presence of the Lord. I mean, pleasures evermore. Pleasures ev- evermore. Think about that for a minute. Pleasures evermore. Pleasures. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. There is a river. That's what John said. He goes, There's a, there is a river. There's life in the river. There's healing in the river. There's beauty, there's joy, there's the fear of God in the river, there's wisdom, there's revelation in the river. And the more that we can touch that river, you know how we touch it? By faith. Just believe it. It's in the word and it's true. We just touch that thing by faith. We just go, you know what, I believe there is a river. I believe it's flowing. I believe it's moving. I believe I can come to Jesus and drink. He goes, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink. Come and drink. Come and drink the river. See, I, I want to live the rest of my life aware of the river. Aware of the life of God that's available to me all day, every day. I don't want to live in my flesh trying to work it up in the life of my body. Try, you know what I mean? Trying to like get energized through my own sort of doings. I want to touch the river. That river in the next age is going to cause the fish to never die. It's going to cause the leaves to be medicine. See, sickness will be totally in check, but that doesn't mean the guy won't like break his leg. So the guy breaks his leg. You know what they're going to do? They're going to bring a leaf my wife goes, do you think it's a topical or do you think they're going to ingest it? I go, both. Chew it, put it on there, maybe it's aloe vera, I don't know. 
But if, if just the leaf that's on the tree that's touching the river can heal you, what about you who's drinking of the river all day? There's joy. There really is joy and peace in believing. There's life. Here's what the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me in the shower the other day. He speaks to me in the shower a lot. I don't know. He just does. Maybe it's because I'm so sleepy. I can't get in the way. But he said, he brought up John 5. You know, where the angel comes and stirs the water. And, you know, I read it again the other day because when I first looked at it, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was a Jewish tradition that was mentioned in John 5, but that's not what it is. It really happened. There was really five porches full of sick people, and once a year, an angel would come down and move that water, and then whoever would get in the water while it was getting stirred, they would get healed. And everybody knew it, and that's why all the sick people were there, because they had real bona fide healings. And the Bible says they got healed. And I was looking at that, and, and, and I was in the shower, and I felt the Lord said, we're in a Bethesda moment. That right now, he's stirring the waters. And whoever will get in while the waters are stirring, the healing power is going to be released. And see, some people are going to stand by and go, oh, I don't believe in that, you know, water's stirring, whatever. That's kind of weird, you know. And, and people have all sorts of attitudes about it. But I just think this, if the water is stirring, I don't want to be on the bench. I want to be jumping into the water. I want to get in while the water's moving. And I believe this, I believe we have a little bit of a, an invitation, a moment while the water is stirring, and I believe if we'll jump in it, healing power is going to be it's going to explode and be released in a measure we haven't seen before. And immediately after that, we're going to get intensely persecuted. That's what happened. The guy gets up, he takes his pallet, he starts walking, and it's the Sabbath. And immediately, the Pharisees, are like, what are you doing? They totally misinterpret the, the commandment to not do work on the Sabbath. And the reason why they misinterpret it is because they're straining gnats and choking camels. They're totally misinterpreting the word so that they can put a leash on men, put them under bondage. Think about it. The, the commandment was not to do work on the Sabbath. It wasn't not to carry your cot after you've been healed. I mean, come on. He goes, what are you doing carrying your cot? He goes, well, the guy that healed me told me to carry it. Who told you to do that? I mean, they totally missed it. And I tell you, that the religious spirit, you know what? We all got a little dab of it. We do. We all got a little dab of the religious spirit. The Lord has been dealing with me of my critical heart, and now look what he's doing to me. And I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I see people and they're just like really, you know, getting drunk all the time in the spirit or whatever. And I'm like, man, they just need to like sober up. Like, get serious about the Lord. You know, and the Lord's like, you just need to stop with that. Because, I mean, he's just like, that's, you're critical. And I'm like, yeah, I have been critical. I don't want to be critical. Sometimes we're critical, we don't even know it. 
You know, until somebody starts doing something a little different. We're like, dang, that's weird. You know what I've, I felt like the Lord told me? He said, don't say anything that I'm doing is weird. Because you're the one that's weird because you're not acquainted with me. I'm not weird. You know? He's not weird. We're weird. He likes to tickle his kids and put them on the floor and make them laugh for three hours. He likes to do that, and we think that's weird. We wouldn't think any dad that did that played with his children and tickled them and played with them for three hours. We wouldn't think that guy was weird. Why do we think the Lord's weird if he does that to somebody? I remember Corita, we had her give a little testimony. I don't think I'm going to have Corita testify tonight. But we had her give a little testimony on um, Tuesday. She said, I just feel like the Father is tickling me. And she's just like looking like she's getting tickled. She's laughing and tickled up everywhere. I mean, it's just like, wow. But that's, we're the, when we don't comprehend what the moving of the Spirit is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and we think it's weird, that's wrong. I'm not saying we should, you know, not have the Bible open and, and look at the verses and, and make sure that it's lining up with Scripture. But I think we're so critical sometimes, we don't comprehend that we've moved right into a critical religious spirit. And I want, I want us to embrace what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I want us to embrace this Bethesda moment. I feel like we're in a Bethesda moment. We love you. We love your ways. (laughs) We love your ways, Lord. You are a good leader. We don't know anything. But your word is true. I was in the restaurant just, I mean, loving the Lord, just feeling the weight of God, and uh, just looking at my waitress, and I thought, she needs to get born again. She just needs to get saved. And she was so ripe. And I just began, she said, there's a survey on your, there's a survey on your receipt. I said, I got a survey for you. I just began to ask her about Jesus and she was just pierced she had two babies and she started confessing and she goes I know I'm not married I don't want to be judged for it but I love my children I go it's okay Jesus loves you and I just began to tell her my testimony and I said listen do you want to make Jesus your Lord she goes yeah I go no I mean this do you want to turn away from sin and make Jesus the boss of your life, like completely just totally change the way you're living. She goes, I do. I go, let's pray right now. So she prays, and I said, Holy Spirit, come on her. Just release your presence on her. Come, and I release the river to her. I said, river of God, let it flow. And, and I'm there with another guy, and I look at him, and we're going like, hey, this is good. And this girl is going like, oh brand new never been saved before she's like oh yeah like under the lord she just stayed there 15 20 seconds just i go that's good isn't it she goes yeah i go i go you you uh, have a you haven't been able to cry in a long time have you and she goes no i haven't i go here i go we're gonna release it right now i took her hand i said jesus give her the gift of tears Release your presence to her, Jesus. And I look up, and she's got tears filling her eyes. I go, is it working? She goes, 
I go, it is. That's the Lord. I go, he loves you. You know what? I think God wants to get us drunk so we'll be bold. I just feel bold right now. I just do. And I'm just like, yeah, that's how we're supposed to be. It's a little bit buzzed and a little bit bold, basically everywhere we go. That's what I think. And the revelation, the word is alive. Put a little oil on it. It's just alive. Yeah, let's just worship the Lord. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for the trickle that you've given us. Lord, we want more. We want more, 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 more. Would you cause the water level to rise? Lord, make a fool of me. I don't care. I just want your presence, Jesus. I want your presence. Oh, I long for your presence, God. We want the whirlwind of the Spirit. Ha! Ah, we want the whirlwind. We want the whirlwind. Release your presence. Release the river. You know, we don't have to strive. We just can receive it. Right now, release the river. Just receive it. Receive the river. We connect to it by faith. That river. He showed me a pure river of living water. It's clear as crystal. Flowing from the throne. Jesus. Hey, if you'd like me to pray for you this morning, you just, you just want the presence of the Lord to come on you. You want to feel the love of God. You want to feel the river of God flowing. I just want to pray for you. I want to ask God to open it up on us. We're just going to do that this morning. We're just going to stir it up this morning. Jesus, let you just come. Just come. The Lord's going to begin to even touch us before I ever get there. Come, Holy Spirit. 